All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Channeling Sports Talk here. I have former MLB catcher Michael McHenry. Mike here played with uh, the Pirates, the Rockies, and Cardinals over his uh, big league career. Um, he's also been a motivational speaker the past nine years. Even while he was playing, he kind of started that up. And nowadays, he's also a uh, MLB analyst for uh, AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, um, kind of based out of where he used to play with the Pirates. So, Mike, thanks for hopping out with me. It's really cool uh, talking with you. Hey, I really appreciate you having me. Looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I actually remember watching you play because I'm a Mets fan. Like, whenever they would play the Mets or the Rockies, I remember watching you play. So it's pretty cool talking to you. So definitely appreciate your time here. Man, a lot of disappointment being a Mets fan. I'm sorry. Easy, easy with that, right? <laughs> Things are changing now. Yeah, like, like I'm sure you've seen the news with Steve Cohen. It's better days yeah. are ahead. Better days. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the first question I have for you is uh, – what was the day of your um, major league debut like? And also, because I know some guys have um, cool stories and how they found out or how they were told um, from people. So I was wondering, like, like if you have any uh, a unique story like that as well. Well, I got drafted in 06 by the Rockies, and I made it to the big leagues in 2010. Um, early, early September before the AAA season was uh, actually over. Got put on the roster that offseason, and what that means is you know, it gives me an opportunity where they don't have to make a move to bring me up. They can just call me up if there's a 25-man roster move. So all year long, I was kind of on pins and needles because both catchers in the big leagues at the time either were uh, – either had some family things going on or they their wife was pregnant. So they kind of said, hey, Michael, be ready. We're going to travel with all your stuff, all your gear. There are certain games that had to sit out because of, okay, we don't know what's going on in the big leagues. Right, right. But you need to stay ready, let your wife know. So it was kind of a roller coaster ride for me all year long. And then I kind of got to the point, I think it was in August, I was like, man, I'm just going to, you know, really not think it's going to happen anymore. I'm just going to just finish the season, go home, get ready to make the team next year out of camp because I, I felt like it was winding me up too much. You know, you have that expectation to get called up. You're so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then finally, after a day game one day, I get a call, and you always know when, when there's a private number or restricted number when you're, when you're playing, it's somebody in the front office. So my first thought was like, man, I just got traded. You know, what <laughs> yeah. just happened? I think I just got traded. So um, I pick up the phone. It's my manager, and he's like, hey, uh, need you to be at the field at 1030 tomorrow or something like that. I can't remember exactly the time. I go, we have a night game. He goes, not in Denver, we don't. <laughs> Congratulations. And right, you know, right. my wife jumped on my back. She was listening because she wanted to know what was going on. So it was really special for both of us. I mean, the journey was long. We went through short season to AAA, played, you know, every year in winter ball. So it was it was one of those things that was like, eh, the work paid off. You know, Absolutely. now it's time to go enjoy it. Yep. So um, I guess kind of looking back, would you say that it was a good thing that you kind of almost knew that you would get called up? Um, or would you kind of prefer like that complete like surprise like like it's like you really had um, no idea it was coming because like even though like you said like you were kind of like you know on edge about it you still knew it was coming and like you weren't like totally like you know like lost in the minors like not wondering like if it would ever happen so like looking back like would you kind of change the way it happened or like like do you like appreciate it more now? So I wouldn't change it because it's my story, but I would change my mindset. Um, I mean, I'm older and wiser. I'm 35 years old now. I was 25 then. And I, looking back, the one thing I would constantly tell myself day 
in, day out. I mean, wake up, tell myself, go to bed, tell myself is something my wife said to me a lot was embrace the journey. Enjoy today. Uh, win today. And I think just focusing on that keeps you level-minded, level-headed. You're not worried about that, that next thing. You're just worried about the here, the now. You compete, you enjoy it because you really never know, especially in the times we're in right now, days are special. Time is special. So I, I really want to exhaust. If, if I could go back and really tell myself, I said, Michael, exhaust every moment, every moment you need to exhaust it because you're not going to get that moment back. So that's the one thing I tell myself hindsight, but all in all, I wouldn't change my story. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So you also have a nickname, the fort. So I was just wondering uh, the origins <clears throat> of that nickname. I can kind of guess maybe the fort near a catcher, maybe I had to do with like some blocking skills, but I was curious uh, where that nickname came from. Uh, you, you nailed it. Um, Greg Brown, Bob Walk, and Steve Blass, the uh, broadcasting group with the Pirates. Um, early on there, I think it was the first week, named me after Fort McHenry, which is the base where the Star Spangled uh, yeah, Banner yeah. was written. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, Fort McHenry protected uh, the United States at the time. So it, it, it's just a, it's a really special thing for me. I'm a big military buff. I have a lot of friends that, um, you know, either served or um, have one or two that passed away. And it, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, it's more special with that than anything else. But it also is something I took a lot of pride in because I love keeping the ball in front of me. It's probably one of my better attributes behind the plate. So, uh -huh. you know, keeping the ball in front of me, being the Fort McHenry, I felt like it was a uh, necessity even more than it was before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you kind of like fell like right into that like uh, category there, like with your last name and catching all that. So that definitely a good fit. It's, it's uh, really cool. So then kind of still talking about catching, um, try to explain for people who, you know, don't understand or maybe who are just aren't catchers, um, like the toll and the grind of a major league catcher over the course of, you know, 162 game season, or even like when you're in the minors, because I know the minors is very grueling with, with traveling and all that. So I guess like, the best you can like try and like summarize it for somebody who um, wouldn't understand. So if I'm talking to a non athlete, if I'm talking to a fan, um, it, it, it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's not just a game. Um, what you eat, what you drink, how you wake up, how much sleep you get. The recovery is as, as important as the actual task. Um, and then to go deeper for all the athletes out there, if you're not spending time on mobility and recovery, you, you're really doing a disservice to yourself. I mean, I had five knee surgeries. All of them had to do with my genetics more than they did actual like hurting myself until after I got done playing. I tore my ACL uh, just after Christmas last year. Oh, wow. So uh, I would say – for anyone that wants to catch or be a professional athlete, you're playing college is if you're not focused on your nutrition, your sleep, your mobility and your recovery, you have a lot of issues because being behind the plate, it's all the little things that you don't realize that get you right. Absolutely. So day in, day out, you catch nine innings, maybe you go into extra innings or whatever. It's a three hour game. You're in a squat constantly. So you have to constantly work that posterior chain to kind of pull your hips back underneath you direct your spine and make sure that that spine angle is really good. So your hips don't get out of line. It doesn't affect your swing. And then also <clears throat> being able to have your legs kind of bounce back after that. And then what most people don't think about are the foul tips. 
are the little nips and, and, and crannies that you get hit in that you don't even realize until the next day. Man, why does my calf hurt? You remember you got a foul tip the day before right off the calf and you have a trolley horse. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, and, you know, playing day in, day out, especially like I played a lot as a backup. I played both. I started, I backed up. I kind of was the other guy at times too, pinch hit. So I think the stress of having to get ready, sit, get ready, sit, get ready, sit was even harder than playing every single day. Right. So I'm also a catcher too. Like I'm currently playing in college and you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's those balls that um, you might block and like you catch off the bicep, let's just say that like when people are watching, like it doesn't look like it hurts, but that's going to hurt more than the soreness from like, you know, like squatting nine innings or if you go into extra innings. So I'm definitely there with you on that one. Um, oh, one, one, one more thing I would tell you and any kids, take care of your feet. Yeah. I, I saw more problems with guys' feet over my career than anything else. In what with, way do you mean that, like, in terms of the issues? Uh, planners became one of the, like, most common things because cleats are cool now, right? So they get the custom cleats, and it's more about the look than the actual, like, comfort. A lot of times that's one issue. And two, uh, guys don't take care of their feet. So they don't, like, uh, roll out their feet. They don't uh, – get circulation back into the feet, legs up the wall, something that's absolutely outstanding for your legs and feet. But if you're not taking that time, being, being in baseball, spring training, you know, standing for three, four hours straight and cleats, um, you know, wear your turf as much as you can, wear no shoes as much as possible, and you'll really save your feet. I started that, I was probably 26 when I started taking care of my feet. And I watched a lot of guys struggle day in, day out, you know, trying to get their feet to loosen up so they felt okay running, okay swinging. So take care of your feet. Okay, yeah. I actually haven't heard that one before, but I'll definitely take your word for it. Um, <laughs> so, like, nowadays, like, there's so much more, um, you know, like, apps on the phone that you can download and, like, techniques and, like, nutritional tips. Like, like how do you think that – uh, how am I trying to say this? I guess like the technology nowadays and like the innovation for recovery, like you're talking about, um, how do you think that might've affected your career? If like you were kind of playing in 2020 compared to like 2013 or 2014, like when you were uh, in the league? Um, it would have been a blessing and a curse. Uh, it's what I see now um, with kids that I work with and, and pro guys that I've worked with is, there's so much information you have to sift through it. You know, if, if you ever mined for gold, you know, they go and they put their tin in the, uh, or their sifter in the uh, water, they pull it out with mud and they sift the mud to find that gold. That's what you have to do with these programs, these apps, uh, the technology is figure out what works for you, how you're going to uh, use it, find some guidance, you know, ask some questions. If you're not asking questions, you're doing yourself a disservice. And if you can't explain why you do something to a coach, you're also doing yourself a disservice because that next coach you have will give you an identity that you don't need. They'll say, oh, you need to hit like this. Well, right. actually, I like hitting like this because of this, 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 this. And if you throw in the kinetic sequence or you start talking about biomechanics or your barrel path, they're going to be like, okay, maybe you get it. I'm just going to stay away because you just really just kind of went over their head and you're talking about yourself. So they can never say anything more than, okay, let me know how I can help you because you obviously know yourself better than I do. 
because you will. You're going to always be your own best coach. If you're getting overly coached too often, whether it be in an app or whatever, that's more of an insecurity inside your own heart than it is anything else because you're looking for more and more and more when you should be just repeating that more and more and more. Yeah. You know, I see it all the time. Guys are always looking, oh, this is how Aaron Judge swings. I'm like, Aaron Judge is 6'8", 255 pounds. He's not human. Yeah. Don't watch a guy like that swing a baseball bat. Don't watch Mike Trout swing a baseball bat. Don't figure out what he's doing because he's an oddity. Find the guys that came out of nowhere, right? Find the guys that have put themselves together. Find a guy that's the same size as you. Watch that film. That's what's going to take you to the next level. So I say it would be a blessing and a curse because I was a hard, hard worker. Um, I never let anybody outwork me. And that's not me being one of the guys that says that, like you can talk to anybody, like unless you are a Navy SEAL, like we're, we're going to go toe to toe as long as you can. Um, right. And you, you, I, I still am waiting for the day where somebody keeps going and I don't because it's just one of those things when I put my mind on something ever since I was a little kid, I just, I just roll. So that would be the curse of it too, because I'd want to consume all of it. Yeah. And I'd have a hard time, especially at, at a younger age, uh, sifting through it. Um, but now yeah, I think yeah. I could, I could really do it, especially um, understanding the data and analytics and also understanding, you know, biomechanics and movement a lot better. Yeah. And two things you brought up there that, you know, like have resonated with me and that I've heard a lot is um, you know, as you get older, you're going to be your own best coach, you know, and there are coaches, you know, that start to get weeded out as you get older and like you play, you know, like more like highly competitive, you know, not even baseball, but all sports that when they overcoach, those probably aren't the ones that are going to make it. Cause you know, as you get older, you know, kids are going to start to understand, you know, themselves more than a coach like watching them. And then also what you said about uh, sifting through all the data, cause you're right. There's, an abundance of stuff now through technology or, or through coaching or anything. So I appreciate that you said that stuff because you're, you're absolutely right on those two points. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So next question I have is um, what kind of led you to your current uh, occupations, you know, with, you know, like being a um, analyst now with the MLB and, you know, continuing your uh, motivational speaking paths. Uh, Jesus and my wife. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have in a million years said post playing, I would be an analyst Um, speaking in front of a bunch of people, uh, putting together my ideas and thoughts to get them uh, put together and edited and going out to a million plus people on a daily basis is something that is beyond my wildest imagination. The reason I say that is I grew up with two learning disabilities. Um, hated, hated talking in front of people, uh, was a bad speller, was a bad reader, was a bad writer all the way through college, had to work my tail off. Um, so being in front of people, speaking and doing those things was not anything that came easy to me. Over my life, especially when I got to college, I put myself out there. I started, you know, in high school, started uh, going to things that made me feel uncomfortable. Started with Bible studies and youth groups and, you know, you start playing games, you get up in front of people, you make fun of yourself, yep. had fun with that. And that just moved into college. I finally had a speech teacher that let me be me. Instead of creating a format like everyone else had to, oh, you have to outline this, you have to do this, these are your talking points, blah, blah, blah. It just, I would panic. 
for some odd reason. I panicked with that. So we came up with a solution and I ended up getting a 99 in the class. Uh, and I did it different than everyone else. And from that point on, I just put myself out there. Every chance I got, I'd go speak, I'd go read, I'd do whatever I could to make myself uncomfortable so I'd get better at it. Right. And I eventually did. And then when I was in Pittsburgh, I got hurt. And while I was hurt, the, the Clint Hurdle asked me to stay and, you know, help, help with the pitching and, you know, sit in the scout reports and add my value. So I was there. And one of the uh, on-field guys asked me if I'd want to fill in for 10 days while they're on the road. And I said, sure, I guess. Like, I guess I'll do that. And then I was like, no, 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 I don't really want to do it. And then my wife was like, Michael, you're doing it. So I did it. That was my uh, video that they looked at when they called me, right. gave me an interview, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to do it. But I figured, you know, it's a great learning experience, even if I decide to play. They gave me six to seven weeks to figure it out. And uh, I kind of knew that that's what I should do or I needed to move on from the game because uh, my real passion in the game, I think, is teaching more than it is playing. Um, so I made the right decision. I haven't regretted it. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing it again this year. Absolutely. Congratulations on that, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. So uh, last question I have is um, what lessons from your playing career you know, from being a catcher and, you know, going through all, you know, those like rough times with the injuries, just having to grind out those seasons, what lessons, you know, from all that um, have you taken into, you know, your life now as you got an older and into your careers now that have helped you uh, continue to uh, succeed? So I would say serve to succeed is one thing that I think every catcher and every human being on the planet really should own. Um, you will be more successful and you'll be more motivated than you've ever been in your entire life. You've continually served, especially people that can't do anything for you. Uh, I really believe the reason I had my best year in 14 was because the pitching coach and the bullpen coach kind of gave up on the team. I'm in Colorado. Um, I just off in my injury with my knee ended up hitting 315, um, had a, unbelievable year uh from spring training on and it's because the entire time i was serving the pitching staff i ran the scouting meetings i took some young kids under my belt and i really made it my mission to serve these guys in a way of i never had before and looking back at it i would have never changed i would have done that it was so much work it was so timing time consuming but it took the anxiety away i, I knew that my value was created way before the game even started so it gave me a, a sense of peace. So right. when I went out and played, I just played. And it, it, I, I've seen that also play out in life. If you're serving someone, you could have the worst day. You buy a meal for somebody, it changes everything. Yeah. You see them, you know, just happy as all get out, whatever it is. So that's the, that's the first thing. Um, next one to say, I'd say take complete ownership. If you're making excuses, um, you're an idiot. And if you have expectations for other people, you're an idiot. Um, yep. And the reason why I say that is because you, you can't force anyone to do anything for you. You never yep. will be able to, right? The only person that has paid for you in life is Jesus Christ. No one else will. No one, don't point on anybody to, because they're all going to disappoint you, right? The only person that has already paid the debt and has done more than we could ever ask for is Jesus. Other than that, we're going we're gonna to see shortcomings. We're going to see failures, even from the best people we know. 
So if you, even yourself, to be honest, so don't have those expectations, just work like crazy and hope for the best, but you can prepare for the worst and expect nothing. And if you go through life like that, you'll be so happy because you'll constantly have people exceed those expectations you would have had because you're expecting nothing from someone, somebody. So when someone doesn't open the door for you and you have your hands full, you're like, ah, well, you kind they of figured that was going to happen, right? Yeah. But if they open it, you're like, man, what a nice dude that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then the, the, the last two things is ask as many questions as possible. Even if you completely understand the subject, always try to disprove what you believe. Always. I do it with my faith constantly. And the reason I say that is because I've seen more than ever the divide in our country. And I've, I've seen that on the field. I've seen it in church. I've seen it with couples we've mentored. And it all boils down to just serving that other person and asking questions to understand them instead of to get your point across. So you listen more, you ask a ton of questions, and you'll be amazed how many arguments, how many times you are going to get defensive, but you don't because you slow down and just listen to ask questions. It change everything. And then the, the last thing and probably the most important thing is you in life, you're going to need something bigger than your career. You're going to need it. That big, why your purpose, for yeah. me, it's my relationship with Christ. It's my, it's my walk. Uh, day in, day out, I struggle like crazy. I'm not very good at it, um, but I'm working hard. But it gives me a bigger purpose. It gives me a bigger reason why to show up, wake up, and do different things. Right now, I feel like I'm in between with it uh, to really figure out what he wants for me to do. But, you know, that's part of the story. And I think it's going to make me better for it. And you can go through anything in life when you have something to lean on like that. Um, if you don't have it, you're going to, you're going to find it somewhere, whether it's good or bad. I see it all the time. And I, I heard something the other day that blew my mind and it's so true. Um, guy I listened to a uh, podcast wise. He said, why I believe in God is because I watch other people try to fill his role. And that blew my mind because yeah. it's Makes so sense. true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you, you put all your hope in something. What did I say about expectations? It'll be devastating. Right. So you put all your hopes in this, all your purpose, all your why, and then it's disappointing. You know, it's, it's in baseball, for example, if, if, if that's your thing and that's your everything, you wake up, you sniff it, you eat it, you drink it, and then you get hurt. What happens then? Right. You just lost it. Where yeah. do you put your purpose? Where do you put your why? So that's, it's a, that's probably my, my four main points, I would say, uh, because you know, life's hard. And if you think it's going to be easy, you're in for a rude awakening. But if you prepare like it is hard, think about how successful you can be. And then also think about preparing for the hard allows the good to really shine through. No doubt. Yeah. No, I mean, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you for that. Um, that's, all I got. that's all I got for you, but uh, really great insight. Um, you know, obviously you're a very qualified person. You know, you've been through a lot and, you know, you have certain experiences. Um, and just uh, thank you for your time. That was really cool. Thank you, Mike. Hey, no problem. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah. God bless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way with everything. All right. You too. You're welcome.